How you guys doing? Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Nick Wilson Show. Sounds like a typical bastard. What's going on in Nick Wilson's mind? My mind is a raging torrent flooded with rivulets of thought. You're about to find out. Look who knows so much. Nick Wilson is on now. I mean, is it a little unfair that you still don't kind of know where you're going or what's going to be happening? Um, I think, you know, I think I got frustrated with it not happening before, uh, you know, like minicamp and all those things. Uh, but that's, that's the stuff that's out of my control. And so, you know, let those things happen and, and fall into place. And so right now I'm just controlling what I can and, and enjoying this. Would there be any chance of reconciliation there? No, I, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But uh, we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC, that is uh, current Browns quarterback, maybe future Panthers quarterback, Baker Mayfield, courtesy of Soonerscoop.com. You guys heard us reference this uh, this yesterday as uh, multiple members of the media in, in Norman combined to, to create Soonerscoop, and they had tweeted about this. They finally got the video up uh, yesterday afternoon, and I think when you hear... What Baker Mayfield has to say. The way that he said it yesterday, guys, when I started thinking about Baker Mayfield, it becoming more likely that he stays in Cleveland if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a full season, I started getting real anxious. Staring down the barrel of another a, a true Sam Darnold, Matt Corral quarterback derby. And I, will ref, I refuse to believe that's the reality of what we're facing this year until... I actually, it's week one, and one of those two jabronis is your starting quarterback. Matt, you're not a jabroni, but you haven't done anything in the NFL yet. So that's unfair. One jabroni and one unknown. I refuse to stare down the possibility of that happening until it's absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, the reality. And we're going to try and get a D.D. Kinkabwala here uh, from the formerly of the NFL Network. Uh, really, really insightful stuff on the AFC North quarterback room. Anybody, can you give her another call just now? Um, but I thought after hearing the way Baker Mayfield said it, it felt less likely. Like, I think what he said at the end matters as much as he said right before the end. Because what he said was, if, if, they're, if that's their intention, they're going to have to give me a call. Which makes fair. It It is... And I think Baker Mayfield is right to say it is in the Browns' uh, court to make good on on what they did to Baker Mayfield this offseason. Nope it's it's not about it is not about trading for another quarterback. It's how they went about that and the things that they leaked to the media. But I think the second part was really interesting. Uh, I think we're I think we're both looking and ready to move on. So. Our next guest, we're actually going to talk about this with her, the the likelihood of, of Baker in Cleveland, the Deshaun Watson hearing. If Deshaun Watson gets eight games, I think Baker's going to play somewhere else. I'll definitively believe the Baker Mayfield circus is over in Cleveland. If he gets 17 games, I'll be a little bit in doubt on this one. But as we continue to wait on the state of the Panthers quarterback position, the state of Baker Mayfield's future, so much more. So much of the Panther season might be tied into what happens to AFC North quarterbacks and our next guest. You know her from her uh, long run with the NFL Network. She's got a new gig coming up 
that she basically said, I know what it is, but I'm not telling you. And here I thought we were friends for a decade, too. Uh, you can also follow her on Twitter at A. Kinkabwala Aditi. What's your new job? <laughs> I can't tell you just yet. I'm sorry, Nick, but as soon as I can, I will. I promise. All right. Well, can I you. Have some little jobs. I can tell you some little jobs. I'm doing a new podcast with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm very excited about. I'll be. Uh, the Browns, the sideline reporter for the Browns preseason broadcast. I'm excited about that, too. So there's that. Okay. I guess I'll accept <laughs> that. The crumbs help a little bit, I guess. I'll accept that as payment for now. Can you at least tell us where Baker Mayfield's going to play football in 2022? Yeah, I don't know. I think the big, the big question is, is Baker Mayfield willing to take a little bit of a pay cut? We know that the Browns are willing to pick up part of that $18 million salary, but even if the Browns pick up half, from what I'm being told, teams still want Baker to take a little bit of a cut. And for Baker's, from Baker's end, if the Browns cut him, they have to pay him the full 18 or the full 18.8, so why should he take a cut? If I were giving him advice, I would say bet on yourself. Prove that you are who you know you are prove that you are indeed a leader and a good teammate and you can do this and so go play for whatever 14 million dollars maybe 15 million dollars and prove what you want and get yourself your big money deal aditi looking to the scenario deshaun watson gets suspended for 17 games or more how likely is it, do you think, that the Browns and Baker Mayfield come together and decide to work together for one more season? I, I don't see it happening. And I think that you heard Baker say that, right? He was at his camp just yesterday and said that, you know, a lot would have to happen. And he thinks that everybody on both sides agrees that moving on and getting a fresh start is for the best. I think that... You know, prior to all of this, there wasn't damage, but sometimes when there's hurt feelings, that can exacerbate certain things. And I, although I do know that the Browns feel that Baker has been professional and, you know, in the past, I do think that it behooves both sides to just get that fresh start that Baker Mayfield is talking about. Aditi Kinkabwala, longtime NFL Network reporter on the guest line. We're talking AFC North quarterbacks here. We started with Baker. Uh, going to the Deshaun Watson situation, I know that there's a lot of stuff that's just hypothetical, and it's really in the hands of what comes out of this hearing. But do we get a sense that whenever this hearing wraps up, one, I guess we should, do we have a sense of how long this hearing is going to take between the NFL, NFL PA, uh, PA Association and uh, of course, uh, Sue Robinson, the retired uh, circuit court judge, who's kind of adjudicating this. Do we know how long it's going to take? And from that, how long a ruling on his you know, near future is going to take from there? You know, from all I've heard, it's obviously multiple days. is multiple just today. A second day is multiple a third day tomorrow. I can't honestly tell you, Nick. I think that there has been so much speculation. There's so many permutations to this. What can be appealed? What won't be appealed? What are, how do the optics play into all of this? What is fair? What is the NFLPA going to bring up about other facets of 
the NFL's personal conduct policy. I think that there's a sense of, I don't know what to call it other than fatigue. Like, let's get a decision and let's move forward. Whatever it is, if it's a suspension for a year, if it's a suspension for eight games, if it's... uh, the more time that this takes, I don't think it, that it gives any greater clarity. Aditi looking elsewhere in the AFC North, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, there continues to be some sort of contract impasse there. Do you think in the next, how likely it is that you think Lamar is going to get a long-term contract extension and stay with Baltimore for the next four or five years? Well, this is really so bizarre, Nick, because it truly is on the player's end. The Ravens have been ready to negotiate, and the Ravens have been ready to do a deal. But as Eric DaCosta repeatedly keeps saying, it has to do with when Lamar feels that urgency. And let's not forget that this is a bit of an unusual negotiation, and that's because Lamar represents himself. We have known since Lamar came out of college that he and his mother keep sort of a very close circle. And... But the team can't negotiate with his mother because his mother isn't a registered agent with the NFLPA. And so the negotiations have to happen with the player directly. And if the player is not feeling like, oh, I need to get this deal done or I want to get this deal done or let's sit down and hammer this out, then the Ravens are essentially a little bit hamstrung. And I do know from multiple conversations within the Ravens organization Publicly and privately. I mean, look, John Harbaugh is on the record. Eric DeCosta is on the record. They're all on the record saying that they see a long future with Lamar Jackson and they want to sign Lamar Jackson. But I have heard from other people outside the organization who think that a delay might actually be good for the Ravens. Because, again, remember, the Ravens are all in on Lamar and believe in Lamar. But there are still people in the NFL that wonder about Lamar's health and his longevity. And so I actually spoke to someone in a front office just a couple weeks ago, Nick, that was saying that it may be better for the Ravens if a deal doesn't get done this year and see how the season goes for Lamar. And that it's not a season like last year that essentially was just one injury after another, all sorts of nagging issues and a lot of frustration over that from Lamar himself. You know, I think that he just felt mentally beaten up by not being able to string together a bunch of games. All right. I know you. Uh, you are a Pittsburgher. You. Uh, you are married. Uh, no, 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 no. I just live here. Yeah. Remember, I was born in New York. I grew up in New Jersey. I, I don't know. That. I mean, the people in Pittsburgh don't consider me a Pittsburgher. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to. You married. Carry that label. Yeah, sorry. You married into Yinzer status. I, I think I, I got to give it it's to you here. Yeah, it is at a hundred percent. Marrying into a religion. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I got to ask you. Is your husband on board with Mitch Trubisky as the long-term starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is he is he on board with Mitch Trubisky, or is he pushing for Kenny Pickett? I need I'm to know which way he falls. Well, I think that he acknowledges it is not a grand statement on Kenny Pickett's future and his prospects if he does not start week one. Right now, all signs are to Mitch Trubisky starting the season unless Kenny blows everything out of the water, <laughs> and giving Kenny a little bit of time to seize it, to see the game up close from this level, to just get better, and to perhaps take a little pressure off of him as well. Not that he's ever shied away from that, not that he is wanting that or asking for that, 
that Ben Roethlisberger in year, what, 16 of his career, talked about how valuable it was to spend the season on the sideline and have the headset on and watch the game from there and the whole process of the plays being called in and how that all happened. This is the year, of course, in 2019 when he, hurt, when he blew out that elbow. And so I don't know why people think it's such a knock if a rookie quarterback actually takes a little bit of time. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't hurt by sitting. Patrick Mahomes wasn't hurt by sitting. Eli Manning wasn't hurt by sitting. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. If Matt Corral sits in Carolina, that's not a bad thing. And right now I do that the Steelers players have really taken to Mitch Trubisky, that Trubisky has taken to this playbook, that it's, it's a very collegial room. I mean, Kenny Pickett told me that he thinks that he and his fiance are going to go down to Florida to spend a couple days with Mitch Trubisky and his wife and their brand new baby. So there's no drama in all of this. And I think there will be a true competition come training camp. But I do think that right now, Things are leaning towards Trubisky getting that chance to start the season. Follow her on social media at a Kinkabwala. She is Aditi Kinkabwala, longtime NFL Network reporter. Uh, we'll find out where she goes next. Also, Yinzer apologist Aditi Kinkabwala. <laughs> Aditi, thank you so much for your time. It's always great to catch up. Nick, thank you for having me. And also, really quickly, love that there were no questions about the quarterback in Cincinnati. How the times have changed, right? Is uh, is there a guy there? Is there a good player there? Is there, <laughs> have I heard about him? <laughs> uh, salty Browns fan I heard here. He's a good chess player. I heard he's a good chess player. A little salty, but a good chess player too. Be good, Aditi. Thank you so much, there, Aditi Kinkabwala on the guest line. I uh, can't wait to see where she lands. One of the truly nicest people you will ever meet in the national media. The best and. You know, I know we talked a little bit about the uh, the quarterback situation here, but let's give Steve Clifford the keys. That's ahead on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Defensive rebounding part is if that if we can't do that here then it's not going to matter because that's one of the things. I mean, what, unfortunately, the hardest thing about basketball is it all works together. Not like football where you get 11 guys playing offense, 11 guys playing defense. And we are going to have to figure out a way. We can't be 28th in defensive rebounding uh, and be a playoff team. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. That is the voice of once in future Charlotte Hornets head coach Steve Clifford on with the Mac Attack this morning. Uh, if you guys didn't listen to that, he also had uh, he was on with uh, KB yesterday. Uh, make sure to check out those interviews wfnz.com. Um, I I liked Steve Clifford the coach beforehand. I I really just I enjoyed listening to him in both of those stops. And I and I also thought Mitch had a couple of faux pas yesterday during the press conference, which you heard on this show. Um, I didn't think Steve did. I thought Steve was pretty tactful. Steve sounded like a guy who had been around the NBA block and understood that there were things you should say in your introductory press conference and things you shouldn't say. I would rather, I would rather a coach neither win or lose his introductory press conference than 
like so just you just go out there and you just talk you're not trying to win people over than a guy who's swinging for the fences and lose. Like Joe Judge, and I'm going to go back to it. Joe Judge had one of the worst introductory press conferences in the history of the NFL. Just came out full-on meathead, sounded like a jabroni, right? And that's not why he was fired two years later. He just wasn't a good coach. He wasn't ready. That, that situation was not ready for him to succeed in either. But like... He, he was clearly trying to rally the troops. And a lot of fans for the Giants got annoyed with Joe Judge's press conference. So I think Steve Clifford was measured. I thought he had some good insight to a team. Like, let's remember, Steve Clifford probably wasn't thinking a lot about the Charlotte Hornets until about 10 days ago. Once the Kenny Atkinson thing blew up uh, and they re-engaged with Steve Clifford about being a legitimate candidate, that's when things got interesting. But I thought what he said there with the Mac attack, saying the Hornets need to be better defensive rebounding or whatever changes they make offensively or however they play isn't going to matter. I think that was, I thought that was a good point. And I think in reality, the Hornets are about, the Hornets should be on the precipice of taking a step forward because they just did. They went from 33 wins to 43 wins. And Last year, LaMelo Ball, who was probably started two years ago as your fourth best player, became your best player. Miles Bridges, who was probably your third, fourth, or fifth best player, became your second best player. So the jump that the Hornets needed, that initial jump from both players has happened. Now it becomes, what are the keys to Steve Clifford's success? Because I think if we get into it, because we talked about the, the, the goals, right? The goals are make the playoffs, win a playoff series, don't uh, don't take a step back, and make LaMelo the best version of himself. Those are goals. But in terms of keys to success, I thought his I thought everything that I heard on this station and otherwise, I thought he did what he needed to do. Now it becomes, I think the number one thing that Steve Clifford has to do is he has to do what Borrego did after LaMelo's rookie year. The Hornets did not get a chance to bond or to get LaMelo to buy in before camp and before the NBA season. Because remember, LaMelo was drafted in November of the pandemic. The bubble had just uh, closed up. We were getting ready to for, for the teams that were in the bubble to turn around in December and come back. The Hornets really didn't get to, get to embrace LaMelo and build a relationship with LaMelo until after his first season in the NBA. If Steve Clifford wants to succeed, finding, and he mentioned as much yesterday, I got to get to know the guys. The number one thing he has to do is do what Borrego did last offseason, which is prioritize a relationship with LaMelo. Understand what makes him tick. Understand how to get the best out of him. And hopefully, in turn, he'll understand you. Because the keys to the, the car doesn't start when we're talking keys to success. If LaMelo isn't engaged with Steve Clifford. Now, the good thing is, Borrego said on this very station that that LaMelo was texting him nonstop about basketball stuff, even in the offseason. Always asking about how to get better, things to work on, watching tape over the phone, texting each other about that kind of stuff. I think LaMelo is going to show up and do his part. 
But there is a level of catering to the relationship. And understand, I'm saying cater to the relationship and not the player. That didn't happen 20 years ago. If you took over the, let's go, Utah Jazz for Jerry Sloan in the mid-90s, were you going to have to cater to Carl Malone and John Stockton? Of course you are. They were superstars in the NBA. But in the end, you just had to earn their respect. You didn't have to be buddies with them. I think I think coach and player have to be a lot, and I don't mean buddy-buddy, and I mean best friends, and I mean going out for drinks together, but you've got to have an understanding a lot earlier. And and the relationship is not, you. 25 years ago, you earned respect in an NBA locker room by busting dudes' cojones, making them play harder, demanding things from them, and by winning. Winning helps. Steve Clifford's pedigree with Kemba Walker probably is going to help. But that's actually one of the reasons why I'm a little excited to see what Steve Clifford can do with LaMelo. One, I think being a defensive expert or being a, a guy with a defensive focus, if LaMelo unlocks his abilities as a defender, if he raises his basketball IQ, and more importantly, there were just games late in the season where he would just have little tiny mental lapses defensively, whether it was in transition or in the half court. And it, it's a lot noticeable when that happens in the final four minutes of a game or two minutes of a game or 60 seconds of a game. There were moments we didn't see him late in the game because of defensive miscues or, or defensive lapses. If Steve Clifford can raise the IQ of LaMelo on the defensive side of the ball, look out. Because he's six foot eight. Even though he's a little thin frame-wise, I, I, he's athletic enough to be a good defender in the NBA. You add just being a good defender. Doesn't have to be a great defender, but a good defender to LaMelo plus defensive IQ. Oh, and oh, by the way, offensively, he's going to be one of the most talented players in the NBA. I really do think part of Steve Clifford's keys to success here is that over the next three years, maybe as soon as next year, LaMelo becomes an MVP candidate. And you and you don't get that without another offensive jump, which usually does happen in year three for rookies, especially guys right out of college, even though LaMelo was right out of the Euros. So year three offensive jump, jump and then just becoming a good, average to good defender in year three. And I think LaMelo will will shine as bright as you and I hope he can in year three. 704-570-9610. I want to ask you guys, to you, what are the keys to success for Steve Clifford? I'm not asking about what are the goals. I'm asking what do you need to see out of this team for them to succeed? Because as Steve Clifford has been asked and answered about the pace of play multiple times. And he's answered it similarly but differently. The, the, the similarity is he's going to adapt to the pace of play. What's been interesting is when he was on with Mac this morning, he kind of refuted the idea that they didn't play with pace, even though Mac was right in the end, <laughs> uh, that they didn't play with pace his first run here. But he also has said that the league has changed since he last was a head coach. I... I really worry when older coaches, respectfully, Steve, that's what you are. I really worry when older coaches say, I'm totally going to adapt. 
Well, the first thing when I heard when we, when we read the Mitch Kupchak thing in the press uh, release saying, you know, we're still going to play with pace. Our offense is still going to be great. Had to get ahead of that. When I read that, the first thing I thought of was uh, Mike McCarthy saying he spent six weeks with Chris Collinsworth and some nerds from Pro Football Focus. And he was like, you know, guys, I love the analytics now. I love them. I am analytics now. Can we just pick on Tony LaRusso? Why does it go to McCarthy? LaRusso is a better example. Because nobody knows that Tony LaRusso, when Tony, (laughs) nobody paid attention nationally. It was literally during the playoffs. (laughs) During the playoffs, there was a vignette run on Mike McCarthy where he was like, I basically am an Excel spreadsheet now. That's basically (laughs) what he said. And then the first week of Cowboys camp, he's like, oh, that stuff? Yeah, I was lying about that. (laughs) So, yes, I'm a little trepidatious about Steve Clifford. Turning this into a half-court offense. Steve Clifford allowing LaMelo, Miles, Jalen, all the young guys, Kai, if he gets on the court this year, allowing those guys out on the court to run is a huge, huge part of his keys to success, which I think brings in the third thing. Steve Clifford, the first two years, or the first two runs, preferred veterans. Ran with veterans. Certainly, this was a veteran team in Charlotte. He mentioned that as much yesterday. I'm going to tell you right now. If they end up bringing in, think of some NBA journeyman. Whoever the Jose Calderon is of this time. Or whomever the uh, James Jones of this time is. A guy who should be the 15th man in the roster. Good man in the locker room. That kind of guy. They bring that guy in and he gets playing time over Jalen McDaniels. Steve, and I'm talking about throughout the course of 82 games. Steve isn't isn't going to make it. Yeah. If you if you're if you're playing guys, this isn't the same as Kelly Oubre versus James Booknight, who both are going to have to learn to defend. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. Tsunami Poppy. If you're not hitting those threes, you better be stopping those threes on the other end there. If you want to play under Steve Clifford, this isn't about that. This isn't about Terry Rozier over uh, James Booknight. It's but it okay. It could come down to Mark Williams versus Mason Plumley. It could come down to Kai Jones over Mason Plumley. I think that, to me, playing with the young guys and continuing to learn, live through their mistakes, him having patience is another key to his success here. I, I feel like the biggest thing about him to, to be successful here is he's got to be willing to adapt to what this team does best. And and look, he, is, he said the last 24 hours, this team is, is built to run and they're, they're built to play in the open court, which they are. But that doesn't mean that his instinct when he gets you know on the sidelines to coach them is mm-hmm. to coach them to play that way. If he's willing to adapt and, and grow with this team as a coach, they can be really, really good. I also think this year, in the keys to success, and maybe this is still nebulous, guys beyond we need to see multiple guys take we're talking the really young guys we're talking kai book knight jt thor mark williams fits this um those guys we need to see growth throughout the season yeah because if he can't develop them yes they're not they're not going anywhere if they if they do not develop the talent they already have and i think that's a really important point i know we all want to skip to the end where the hornets are are in the eastern conference finals or in the nba finals and lamelo's hoisting a trophy and we're all partying naked on minton moorhead why why naked because we want a title and when you when you win a title you get naked okay that's how that goes i 2016 were you naked in cleveland there were there were naked people 
I was naked. My wife was naked. It was a good time. That's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> but I know we want to skip to the end. The Hornets have too much talent here on this roster to waste. And that includes Kai and Booknight. Do those players have to hold up their own end of it? Yes, 100%. I'm not saying just play the kids to play the kids. They have to hold up their own end. But this isn't, uh, outside of Booknight, this isn't a roster of malcontents. This isn't a bunch of immature guys. They're young, but they work hard and they play hard. So, and I'm, I'm not talking about off the court. I'm talking about they work hard off the court and they play hard on the court. So it's not as if you can say, wow, that Kai Jones is a troublemaker. No. That Mark Williams, not a, not 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 earning his keep. I don't think we can say that. Also, TC saying, stop thinking LaMelo will be a top defensive player. So me saying him, de- Steve Clifford, developing LaMelo into an average or good defender is me saying he's going to be a top defensive player? What, what show are you listening to? This isn't about... LaMelo just needs to be a good enough defender and needs to put the kind of effort and focus in defensively that he's not an issue, that he doesn't need to be hidden on the court. He's six foot eight. He's a six foot eight, pretty athletic point guard. He shouldn't have to be hidden. This isn't Steph, who's an undersized point guard coming out of uh, coming out of school. There. What are Steve Clifford's keys to success? Send those in seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. But when we come back, it's time for our five burning questions. Sports Radio 927 FNZ. Got it right that time. Will Kunkel, Queen City News, going to be joining us in just about uh, 20 minutes there. We're going to pick his brain. Clifford, Panthers quarterback situation. We'll ask him the five questions, and that's where we are right now. It is. As every day at 1240, you get the five burning questions. So as of right now, we have no idea where Baker Mayfield will play. We have uh, an idea, a guess, a guess that it's either going to be Sam Darnold or Matt Corral here. So itty-bitty fitty, I start this off by asking how many wins for Carolina in 2022. I'm going to maintain my answer since we got the schedule. Eight. I think they're an eight-win football team with Sam Darnold. They're a ten-win football team with Baker Mayfield or... Jimmy Sweet Lips Garoppolo. Who, by the way, Brad Panovich. This actually this is a, a, a nice little uh, an honor. Brad Panovich himself, Charlotte weather legend. Uh oh. Saying nine wins. Nine wins for the Panthers. That's in, a nice forecast. In 2022. I see. Well, okay, but the, is the weatherman ever really that accurate? <laughs> Outside of Brad Panovich. <laughs> Outside of Brad Panovich. Uh, James Vermaiden saying, I don't care on the first answer. <laughs> As currently constructed, I will give them seven wins. With Sam Darnold, I will give them seven wins. If they get Baker Mayfield, I will go. Full-on pandering Mac. I will go 9 or 10 wins if they get Baker Mayfield. But it's currently constructed because I don't think people understand how badly Sam Darnold held. I, or rather, when you say 8 or 9 wins, I don't think people really realize how badly they... A better offensive line and a couple extra depths here doesn't make up for the most important position on the team being absolute trash. That is number one. Of our five questions, you guys can uh, send them in on the Garage Door Guru text line or fill out the questionnaire at Nick Wilson says. 
So one was how many wins for Carolina in 2022. Number two, I don't know what made me think about this. It was, <laughs> ironically, it actually was uh, getting caught uh, in the executive bathroom for the women going to the bathroom this morning. I was, like, visualizing the, the, the comedy of that. So I'll ask you, what actor would play you in a show about your life, Itty Bitty Fitty? This is very easy, and it's not because he acted in my favorite TV show, but it's Matthew Perry. Look at how he is. Now or 20 years ago before the, the problem? Both. Look at how he was with women and friends. Uh-huh. That's how I am with women today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then look at him. Was it was it the odd couple he had the, the show with on CBS where he was the sports talk show host? And he was, uh, you know, excessively overweight, mm-hmm. depressed over what happened with women? Like, it, it's, it's literally the perfect ideal match. Minus the drugs, the anxiety, and the depression. See, I think... I understand, because a lot of people are going to say, oh, Nick, you're going to have John Goodman play you? Oh, Nick, you're going to have Kevin James play you? No, I'm going to have Matthew McConaughey play me. Look at any movie that is made about an average Joe in real life, and they glam that son of a bee up. So why would I be like, oh, please find a fat, funny guy to play me? No, I want to keep, I want to L-I-V-I-N. I want to keep living, all right? And I want people to think, if, when they make the Nick Wilson story, I want people to think that I look like Matthew McConaughey, so that's who I'm casting. All right? If he says no, then I'm on to Ben Affleck. If he says no, well, then I'm pretty screwed. But I'll just find, you know what? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, your good-looking self, you're up. You're playing Nick Wilson. Why would I settle for another schlubby person? I want to be glammed up in the Nick Wilson movie. You want to know why I said that you have great calves? Because Kevin James also has great calves. I'm going to need you to bite your tongue right damn now. So that is question two of our five questions. How many wins for Carolina in 2022? What actor would play you in a show about your life? Brad Panovich saying Jason Statham. (laughs) All right, now here's your weather forecast. And then I'm going to kick you. (laughs) I don't know why he would say that he was going to kick you. Um, James Allen saying uh, Kane Hodder. Who the hell is that? I don't know. Probably some random Duke nobody. Because that's all his answers are uh, related to. (laughs) I'm going to have Peter North play me (laughs) in the Nick Wilson Show movie. Again, false representation, but I'm okay with it. Big Cat Dan saying... Don Cheadle. Oh, God, I'd love Don Cheadle to play Nick Wilson. People would be very confused. Very confused. But, God, Don (laughs) Cheadle can act, man. Ooh, Logo 704. Denzel! Yes! But I wanted to play me the way he plays Frank Lucas in American Gangster. Right? I'm talking about the scene with uh, uh, Idris Elba where he's like, I'm going to need you to give me my money. And then he pulls the gun out, and the guy's like, what are you, you shoot me? And then he literally shoot. That's how I wanted to play Nick Wilson in the Nick Wilson show. Also not a bad one. 704 number saying The Rock. I, like I thought that you as well. were getting excited about the 704 number saying uh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey, you mean? Yeah. No, I, I, Gary Busey I would like to play me, but not Gary Busey. Uh, Sam by the Lake saying James Corden. Guys, I'm not just. I get it. I have a weight problem. I'm working on it. Fat actors. Fat actors don't just have to play fat people. All right, let's glam me up a little bit here. Question number three. This was brought up when you you and I were talking about uh, Tuesday, yesterday, because it was Tuesday. And you just completely complained about the day of Tuesday. You I hate said, it. And I quote... It is the worst day of the week. Okay, you're outside your ever-loving mind. Because the worst day of the week is, in fact, Monday. 
However, that then brought us to the discussion of what is the best day of the week. And your answer was? I like, I love Thursdays. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I guess because it's like the anticipation of the weekend. Because like then when Friday gets here, I, something happens at work, I'm here to like 4 o'clock. And then I realize when I leave the station, I have nothing to do. But on Thursday, I anticipate having nothing to do. So I'll at least say your math, as skewed as it might be, actually checks out. If you hate Tuesday the most, the second day into the work week, loving Thursday the most kind of makes sense. However, the best day of the week is, without any fight, it's Saturday. It's better than Friday. Friday is a great day because you get the sense of release uh, on after work. Oh, my God, the week is over. I can relax. But Saturday, you're already relaxed from Friday night. And Saturday, anything goes. You want to go out drinking? That's okay. You got uh, you got Friday or you got Sunday to 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 uh, to come back from, right? You want to go for a walk? Well, if you're too tired or if you tire yourself out, you got Sunday to recover. You've got the day leading up to Saturday and the recovery day. That's the best of both worlds. Saturday. Oh, and by the way, in the fall, it's college football leading into Sunday. Saturday is clearly the best day. Ever. Yeah. I see you didn't even have it. I I lawyered that so well you didn't even have it. Uh, the first three questions coming in from our first three answers coming in from Chad Harris saying seven wins for Carolina in 2022. The actor that would play him in his life, Lee uh, Leif Schreiber. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, if we could just get Leif Schreiber in a fat suit, I would totally have him play <laughs> me. And then three, he said Sunday is the best day of the week uh moving to question number four which sport consumes most of your time during the summer so let's let's make sure so this is post nba finals pre nfl preseason the time between the end of the nba season and beginning of the nfl slate what consumes most of your time? Because for me, it is baseball. Yeah, it's same for me. There baseball was, and golf, even though I don't watch golf, I play golf. Pre, Pre-pandemic, this was the time of year where I was sports depressed because I wasn't too big into baseball. NASCAR used to suck. And I, I'm not a big golf guy outside of the majors. Getting back into baseball, though, I love this time of year. And so it's, it's definitely the Major League Baseball season. Mm. Uh, let's see. Jacob Collette on Twitter, at Nick Wilson, says, saying, baseball. Yeah, when people are like, you're really into Wimbledon right now, and it just doesn't do much for me. And it's it almost annoys me. Why? When people pay attention to sports that I couldn't give less of a crap about, when a, in a time where I couldn't care less about sports outside of baseball and playing golf, it for some reason it annoys me. So my, my tennis love comes from my momo. That is the one sport that me and her can watch together and appreciate. Do you watch... Uh, tennis on Mama's couch? Yes. Okay. Do I play tennis on Mama's couch? Yes. Can't make the joke that I want to make, so we're just going to continue that. <laughs> uh, also, final one here of our five questions. What is your favorite? And this is because two nights ago, or no, night we come home from the cabin, my, my final fat meal, or so I thought, was pizza. The next d- night, Monday night, I had cold leftovers from jet which by the way travels really well pizza is my favorite uh leftover so i will ask you itty bitty fitty what is your favorite leftovers to eat this is a really difficult question to answer because pizza should be the answer but depending on where you get the pizza from some pizza does not reheat well i love steak 
even after it's cooked because it allows the the juices and the marinade to get in there just Did a little bit. Did you just say steak? Yes. You never cease to surprise me. Do you never have leftover steak? Well, no, because you were 411 pounds. Well, no, no. I One, I, I do eat it all right up front there. And then two, like, I will eat leftover steak, but it's not the best. The best the best food in general is just steak. But the best leftovers is not steak. Well, because, like, like, okay, if it's grilled, like, what, what my dad will do is then he'll reheat it up. And, like, then you can have it with steak and eggs. Or you can make a steak and cheese quesadilla. Well, okay. If, if you're, like, it's, it if has you're, versatility. If you're repurposing it, like, all right, today we're going to have steak. Tomorrow we're going to have burritos with, with with the leftover steak. So you're basically recooking it. One, that can get dicey really easy. No, it's not. I can't. I, I just. Uh, Stoney Jones saying Thanksgiving. Steak. So. Uh, in the Wilson household, my night mama has the best stuffing in the world uh, or dressing in the world. I'm sorry if you think your grandma does. Uh, she doesn't. I love your grandma. She's a lovely person, but it's my grandma. And so the week afterwards, like up until two weeks later, I will be eating Thanksgiving stuffing from my mama. That's how darn good it was. Uh, she Jacob, put celery in her, her uh, stuffing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but it's it, we like shred it. We, we don't do, you know, like the people who like cube it or whatever. Y'all are savages to me. Um, Jacob Collette saying pizza. Chad Harris saying cold pizza. <laughs> James James from Maiden saying pizza. Brad Panovich saying pizza. <laughs> I believe you've been voted down, my guy. I've but got one guy on the text line coming to the defense of steak. Who is that guy? Uh, breasticles. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you're throwing in your lot with breasticles. Is that what I understand? <laughs> and yet I'm the one eating cold pizza. <laughs> Oh, this is actually, this is an underrated one. Uh, Go Panthers guy saying, leftover fried chicken. It's got to be home cooked, right? Oh, like, uh, no. You know, Bobo's, uh, Bojangles, pretty good cold the next morning. My, this is a true story. I got to tell on the Wilson girls. My daughters are basically feral animals with certain foods. Bojangles fried chicken is one of them. And if we get like Bojangles fried chicken on a Friday night, I'll come down. I'll come downstairs Saturday morning, and there will just be like bits of chicken left all over <laughs> my downstairs. It'll be like it'll be like uh, the the chicken wings will be like torn in half, and there'll be you know no skin and meat missing. I'll find one on like the entertainment center. I'll be like, guys, this is not what I'm okay with you eating the chicken the next morning, but throw away your trash. <laughs> and they're just like raccoons. Meow, meow, I won't. Sorry, Ramsey made an appearance. <laughs> Five question time. Uh, how many wins for the Panthers in 2022? What actor would you uh, would you choose to play uh, you in a show about your life? Which day of the week is the best? Which sports consumes most of your time during the summer? And what is your favorite leftovers to eat? Uh, the Daddy joins Big Daddy next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.